This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Just because you're working out doesn't mean you shouldn't look fabulous. The Inspire Collection by Kalia was designed with both style and performance in mind. It looks good, feels good, and stays put no matter how you move. And the collection has everything you need for a day at the gym. A support bra, crop tanks, bike shorts, amazing leggings, and more. It's their most versatile collection yet. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. This is Olive Magazine Podcast. We're up to episode 97. This is a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director, and I'm here with Ellie today, our editorial assistant. Hi, Ellie. Because this week you caught up with um, Jeffrey Young, the founder of the London Coffee Festival. Is that right? Yes, that is right. And I learned a lot about coffee. One of the things I'm quite fascinated to learn, and I think we're going to get into it, is um, you said he showed you how to make barista sell coffee at home. Is that possible? Yeah, well, apparently it <laughs> is. So basically he was he goes in to explain how... You can really go all out if you want to invest in the equipment and that's going to be yeah. kind of the best way. But it is, you can do it yourself at home. You don't have to spend you a fortune. You don't have to spend a fortune. <laughs> there are ways to get around it and little tips to learn. Cool. And you can do it. And I think you're also talking about some new coffee trends. Yeah. yeah so obviously <laughs> I was saying, like with all drinks, there are so many trends and yeah. it's kind of about finding the ones that are worth Yeah, the ones that are going to stick for, around. The ones that are worth sticking yeah. around investing your time in. Great. Yeah. All right, well, let's have a listen to that now. Thanks, Thank Ali. Hello, and I'm here with Geoffrey Young, who is a coffee expert and founder of London Coffee Festival. And this year it's taking place from the 12th to the 15th of April at the Old Truman Brewery. And so to start with, we're going to keep it simple. So what do you think are the signs of a good coffee and a good coffee shop? Um, coffee is very personal. Um, each individual knows what they like and what they don't like. And increasingly, uh, consumers are getting a sort of a, a better palates for coffee, just like with wine, they're kind of understanding what they like. So first and foremost is, do you like it yourself? Don't, don't yeah. be uh, influenced by the tastes of others. Uh, you, know, you know, explore tastes and enjoy what you like. 
Um, clearly, there are sort of characteristics of coffee that, um, you know, again, can be personal, things like bitterness, you know, sort of strength of coffee, the, the temperature of coffee, etc. Mm-hmm. Um they're all they're all quite personal, but you know, in in general, you're sort of looking for a coffee with body, with a kind of full flavour. You, you know, you taste explosion when you're kind of tasting that coffee. But then, if you like milky coffees, it's kind of it comes down to the sort of like the the quality of the milk um, foaming or you know or sort of steaming of the milk so that it's the right texture, um, right mouthfeel, etc. So it's a very complex process. There is yeah. no right answer to that. It's ultimately <laughs> a, around what as that end consumer likes. And again, exploring coffees, tasting more coffees, you actually develop your own palate and what you like and what you don't like. Are there any that you, people, because I think a lot of the time people start with a milky coffee. Do you think that's the right way to do it or do you think just try a variety of styles? Again, in Britain in particular, the, mm-hmm. the milky coffee is the heritage way that we've We've drunk our coffee. It began, obviously, coffee drinking in the UK largely was, you know, around instant coffee and had two milks yeah. and sugars. We're now getting kind kind of much more refined in our coffees, particularly out of the home with, you know, this you know explosion of great cafes serving yeah. specialty coffee. The, thing, the first thing I would say is try it without sugar. That's okay. the first thing, yeah? Before you <laughs> yeah. move away from milk, try it without sugar. Go to a good cafe and get, you know, a deliciously well-crafted flat white mm. or nicely textured latte um, with a good roaster, you know, you know, it's not a cheap coffee and actually then taste it and see if you can get it without, without milk. Right. What's then if you want to really, you know, start to explore the different tastes of coffee, then you take away the milk and you go, wow, <laughs> I, and, and explore different, different flavours, different regions and, and get a kind of just get an understanding of what you, what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. And what do you think makes a good coffee shop as well? That's um, an art and a science in itself. <laughs> a great coffee shop is a place where human beings can gather, where you feel really sort of comfortable, welcomed, um, yeah. a very hospitable environment. Um, in an ideal world, you'd have, you know, great charismatic baristas, you know, really in tune with the customers, you know, nice service at the table, yeah. um, comfortable chairs, you know, workspaces where you can kind of enjoy and not feel pressured and just enjoy that moment. Whether you're there yeah. for a few minutes of while you're waiting for your takeaway and, and take it away, you want that kind of music and buzz around you, or whether you want to sit sit for several hours um, with your laptop and actually work away. Yeah. Um, a great coffee shop will usually take all these sort of different customer types in mind and actually create areas in the coffee shops that so you get right. fast queuing yeah. quickly in and out for those that, that want to want you know want a quick service and others that want to sort of stare at the window out the mm. window and sort of you know sort of maybe some high stool seating and then yeah. d- deeper back into the cafe some more loungy effect where you feel very comfortable so they'll cater to all yeah. the different and then the yeah. other things that you would like so it has to be a nice environment a sort of a human environment where you feel yeah, just feel yeah. feel pleasant. Yeah, um, but then there's things like you know nice clean restrooms, um, you, you know Wi-Fi, free yeah. Wi-Fi, unlimited Wi-Fi if you can. <laughs> um, yeah, not cluttered, not you know noisy mm. with just you know um, people washing up dishes in the background. There are a lot of factors, but ultimately it's a space that makes a human human being feel comfortable. Yeah, and what? Um, so obviously London Coffee Festival, what? is going on there this year because I know there are a lot of different aspects to it aren't there yeah absolutely well we're very excited about the festival this year it's going to be bigger and better than than 
last year and the year before. <laughs> each year it's growing. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of adding to the features. Uh, you know, so this year we're adding another floor, an entire floor. Oh, wow. Where um, certainly taking a prompt from consumers and more responsibility uh, sort of the with the sustainability agenda. Mm. So we're recycling of cups, recycling of coffee grounds, wow. um, encouraging people uh, throughout the festival to actually reuse cups. So uh, environmental footprint is a, yeah. is a new one this year. Um, we've got um, coffee masters again, um, an incredible array of, of um, com- com- competitors from around the world sort of competing for coffee masters. Again, that's going to be a, a big thing. Yeah. We've built on Latte Out Live this year, so yeah. making that a bigger thing. So um, kind of displays and, and, and learnings and about how to make the best Latte Out Live. We've got a, a whole new array of speakers, lab talks, um, exploring the themes around coffee, um, you know, not just how to open a coffee shop, not just how to make the perfect cup of coffee, but the whole kind of ecosystem around buying coffee, where coffee Uh comes from. Um, Taste uh, explorations. Um, We have um, Chimbley with a a very, very unique um, uh, tri-sensory experience, uh, one of our major sponsors, uh, coffee machines, you know, trying um, to explore the different tastes of coffee made with different machines and different ways, different temperatures, okay. and getting you to taste, hey, this is the same coffee, but it's made Look in how different, different ways. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have the launch of the new London Coffee Guide, which is a, yes. um, you know, a, an annual event that takes place at the festival this year. We've got a, um, a larger uh, set of cafes in the guide, something like 255, 260 cafes in in the London Coffee Guide. Uh, So the unveiling of that. uh, Coffee mixologist um, uh, sort of demonstrations. Um, Yeah, um, Project Waterfall, again, going completely to town and and really kind of uh, taking the the sort of the the giving back theme. Yeah. uh, Really bigger this year. Um, We're going to be giving away, there's going to be some giveaways of of some pretty major coffee machines. So Victoria Arduino are going to be um, silently auctioning a um, fifteen thousand pound machine oh, wow. that for one uh, a lucky individual or cafe owner. <laughs> yeah, um, we've got a bigger trade uh, uh, sort of component, so a lot more trade coming this year, and a lot more activities and lab programs designed to the trade. Uh, right. But also then um, lots and lots of excitement for the end consumer. Yeah, and so you mentioned coffee mixology and also the environmental aspects of it. Um, so there are a lot of coffee trends and these have just been growing over the years. Do you yep. think there are any this year that are worth watching and worth following? Yeah, I mean, coffee mixology is definitely one. I think we have caravan coffee roasters uh, this year um, doing a kind of a um, – not only the, the sponsors of the coffee – uh, master's competition, this sort of getting into the kind of the, the mixologist and, and actually having their mixologists come and, and making some great coffee cocktails, moving yeah. beyond the espresso martini. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, another trend really worth noting, um, and you'll see a lot of that uh, at this year's festival, is the trend to non-dairy. Okay, so you're going to see yeah. some um, uh, a, a variety of, of companies providing things like almond, mm. cashew, um, oat milk and all sorts of variants of non-dairy beyond yeah. what was traditionally, um, you know, the soy milk was the option. Yeah. Where, yeah you, there'll be soy milk there as well, but you'll have a whole array of different kinds yeah. of nut milks and, 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 and sort of non-dairy kind of beverages that 
complement the coffee experience yeah. very well. You're also going to see things like the matcha lattes, the mm. um, unicorn type lattes. You're going to see, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to beetroot. Um, you're going to see a All lot more kind of, yeah. playing around with those types of ingredients, um, making coffee more exciting. You know, so, sort yeah. of the health and wellness aspects of of the um, of, of cafes and coffee uh, are going to come out in this year's festival more than than ever. Nice, and. We mentioned the Coffee Masters and obviously at the festival it's where they kind of compete against each other to be crowned the Coffee Master. Uh, Who are some great ones that you think are worth looking out for? Because they come from across the world, don't they? Yeah, we've we've got an incredible array of of people, you know, competing everywhere from, of course, the UK, from Denmark, Japan, Japan, Hungary, the Netherlands. Russia, Poland, wow. <laughs> um, Latvia, Romania. I mean, it's just oh Canada, Czech Republic. It's Ireland, you know, Italy. You know, it's incredible. All over. Um, just, just to name a few. You know, Matteo Colacci um, from the Bookshelf Coffee House uh, in um, Ireland. Um, you've got um, Thomas Mitzar um, from the Hagen Espresso Bar in Czech Republic. Uh, you've got some Max White from Small Bash Roasters in the UK. Uh, Jimmy Dimitrov uh, from Clifton Coffee um, in the UK, out near you know, Bristol. Um, Rob, Cla- Rob Claris, um, pretty, very talented barista from the Netherlands. Um, yeah, he's um, going to be competing. We've got um, someone, um, Shinsaku Fukuyama, um, really incredible uh, com- competitor, uh, formerly based in in Melbourne, but now is actually uh, representing St. Ali in Japan. Uh, Timber Yard, Phil Groves. Yeah, there's an incredible, and of course, um, not to forget uh, Janis uh, Poddens from the Coffee Collecting, uh, very nice. revered in Denmark. So, yeah, some amazing some great competitors. Names. Yeah. And how do they actually compete against each other? How does that section work? Well, it's a very unique um, format, unlike the sort of the, the Bristol Championships where it's a kind of a rehearsal mm. that you kind of play uh this is um a working baristas competition right. so basically um it's you're thrown at the deep end uh with you know a, a set of a set of rules that you have to sort of work by yeah. but ultimately the rules really reflect the, the skills that you need to right. have in a coffee shop okay. so working baristas so you've got to you you know you've got your espresso making skills have got to be right up there yeah. likewise your latte art making skills but also your tasting skills you've got to be able to sort of dial into that coffee and actually kind of understand the flavorings and sort of tweak your grinders etc and mm. we also have like uh, they have to make a signature coffee drink as well okay so again and then sort of the order that's that's the that's the fun one where you give them a random order <gasps> uh, and they have to actually make that random order now oh, wow. the difference again from other competitions this is a battle so you start start with sort of 20 and you and you, right, you yeah, work your battle way. of one-on-one right down to the <laughs> final two and then you yeah you've got your your winner and and, and runner up sort of so it's a kind of um yeah it's, it's a bit like the Wimbledon uh, yeah. kind of s- <laughs> the s- coffee s- equivalent. situation yeah <laughs> amazing and who's judging that oh Ooh. gosh we have um sort of I'll make sure that's um <laughs> yeah Gwilym got some incredible judges from um yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> Willem Davies actually is not on that gig. Oh yes. Yep. He's a he's a regular. Willem Davies is is a former um, world Bristol champion himself. Um, yeah. Really renowned, uh, based in the Czech Republic at the moment. Um, but he's our MC. Uh, we have uh, Jordan Michaelman uh, from Sprudge and, and Lem Butler as um, sort of a USBC. 
you know, that's United States Barista Champion. Uh, there are MCs. But then we have some incredible judges. Anne Linnell um, from Kopi is a head judge. Um, Tim Wendelbo, a, a former World Barista Champion as well, um, from Norway. Um, where Chris Shackman. Um, we've got David Donde from Truth. Uh, Sonia Zvildik and Michaela Javard, um, and then Frida Yuan as well uh, from Caravan. Um, yeah, we've got an incredible array of judges. Who uh, really know their yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, and finally, do you have any tips for making this kind of amazing coffee at home for people <clears throat> out there who are loving the coffee trend and they just want to make it? As good yeah. as they can. Yeah. Well, it depends on your budget. depends on mm. your style of what coffee you like. Um, you can make good coffee at home. There's no reason why you can't make good coffee at home. Mm. To make the quality of coffee that you get in these fabulous um, coffee shops, espresso bars in, in London, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to do what they do day right. in and out. Is but that you can get of close. The equipment and well, stuff. Well, the equipment and the experience. Right. You know, some yeah. of these bristles are, you know, five years yeah. on a machine, understanding. They dial in and they go, "Oh, I think that needs that mm. grind needs to go." You got to get a real feel for they the coffee. They do it day in, day out. Day in, day out. Yeah. State of the art equipment using incredible coffee. Um, so, if your budgets, you know, if you got yeah. five years <laughs> of training <laughs> and you got a high budget, yeah, uh, you can you can replicate that easily. Mm. <laughs> um, now. For those that want to do it more simply, yeah. uh, so just making coffee in a simpler manner. So, for example, French press is a great way of, you know, coarser grind, uh, great way of making a nice, nice, smooth uh, coffee. Right. Um, if you want to get a little bit more fancy, an aeropress is a mm. really incredible way of making it. It's almost like a mixture between the French press and an espresso. Right. So it doesn't require any fancy equipment other than that, you know, this plastic oh, yeah, cylinder, the... which is the aeropress. Um, you've got to get the grind right, um, but... You know, it's a finer than it would be for a French press, a little bit coarser than it would be for an espresso. If you can get, a, you know, a, a good home espresso machine, mm. why not? If you like espresso, again, yeah. you know, it can be something, you know, to get something decent, can be up sort of five or six hundred pounds upwards to get right. something quite decent. The biggest tip I would give anyone is to invest in a good grinder. Okay. So the grind of the coffee is the thing that makes, makes it. You know, right. so the coarseness of the grind uh, can, you know, influence the extraction time, i.e. the time that it sort of takes to get the coffee flavour okay. out of the water. So the, right. the coarse of the grind, the longer it takes and the longer you leave it there. So so a, a, um, a French press, um, like sort of a Bodum style sort of thing, yeah. you leave it there for, you know, three or four minutes. Um an espresso, if you've got an espresso machine, mm. it's a very fine grind, quickly through an espresso instant. machine, and it's yeah. almost instant, you know. So you've got to get the grind right for the type of coffee that you're prefer, pre- preparing. Not only that, the regularity of the grind, a really good quality grinder will make sure each and every one of those particles are as close in size as they are. If you looked at them under a microscope, scope, you're going to get the kind of an even disbursement of the coffee and therefore you're going to get an even um, brewing. Whereas if you have a very poor grinder and it's sort of chopping up the coffee, all these things that rotate and go, they kind of heat up the coffee, they chop it unevenly and then what you've got, you've got some elements of fine powder, some elements of things and actually what you're doing, you're getting this bitterness coming into your coffee through because uh, it's uneven it's sort of, yeah. Mixture, yeah. yeah. So we like having a stew where you've got large chunks of meat and small chunks of meat. Some Throwing in a pot. Yeah. What is, what are you going to get in the end? You're going to get a bit of a mishmash. Yeah. That's a, with, that's a yeah. good way of decoding it, I think, yeah. Yeah. 
Amazing. So the grinder really is a really important thing. And then, you know, if you, you know, want to do latte art, Mm, yeah. At, you know, there's certainly tutorials that you can get on the web. You certainly come down to Latte Out Live mm. at the festival and learn from the pros how to make great Latte Out Live. Yeah. Um, you can also buy some domestic foaming uh, devices for milk and, you you know, you'll never get it quite as good as the guys in the, you know, mm. it's it sort of the, the, the leaders that we're going to have showcasing at the festival. Yeah. But it's a skill worth... Worth, um, worth trying. It, yeah, trying on. Lovely. Thank you, Jeffrey. Okay, so as promised, I'm here with Adam, our cookie writer. Hi, Adam. Hello. And we're talking about sugar. Certainly are. Are you a big sugar fiend? Um, <laughs> I would like to say no, but I think most people that know me would say that, yes, I probably am. I eat quite a lot of sugar in its various forms. I think it's because you're an ex-chef and it keeps you going. Yeah, and also half Scottish, so, you know, <laughs> tablet, which is basically just sugar. Um, something I grew up on, so yeah. So I wrote um, a lowdown in, in, uh, about sugar in our um, Easter issue. It's out at the moment. Um, learned quite a lot of things. Mm. Um, the main thing is kind of unrefined versus refined sugar. So basically, um, things like granulated and castor yeah. is a prime example of refined sugar. Yeah. Um, and you can do this in massive bulk. You can you can take loads of sugar cane or sugar beet mm-hmm. um, extract the juice and then refine it so you get this white crystallized sugar you can t- when you do that in bulk it becomes really cheap which is why let's it's face it sugar is a cheap a product cheap, yeah right um unrefined sugar takes a lot more care because you have to stop it at a certain point you have mm-hmm. to kind of make sure that you have a certain amount of molasses still left in the sugar sure um so therefore it, it it's a more expensive product mm-hmm. so so when you're looking um I guess the main the main difference would be in the flavour is in unrefined sugars you'll get a little bit more of that kind of molassesine natural yeah. raw sugar cane flavour yeah. more toffee flavours yeah Whereas like like normal, just um, mm-hmm. refined sugar is, is more yeah. just on the sweetness. It's like a, yeah. almost like a single profile thing. Yeah, as and it, to... it is a taste thing. I mean, it's not, your body's probably not going to react to it in a completely different way. No. We're not saying unrefined sugar is a health product. It's not. No, no. But, um, but as far as bacon, and, and we kind of looked at bacon um, in this feature as well. I learned some quite good scientific things. Mm. Um, number one, sugar is is called hygros. Got to get this right. Not hydroscopic, hygroscopic, which means it attracts and holds moisture. Mm-hmm. So that'll change the structure of the finished dish. So, like when you're baking a cake, it stops the crumb from drying out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also. Um, if you think about when you make meringues and you need, you actually need sugar, you can't just whisk egg white no. by itself because it'll just collapse. Yeah, yeah. What the sugar does is it binds with the water and the egg whites and it creates a kind of structure, not to get too scientific it's about it. It's the same with, uh, it basically it works as like a stabiliser, doesn't it? Often, yeah, like it's a stabiliser, it yeah. It's like a binder, it helps, like you say, it helps uh, uh, hold and absorb moisture. Yeah. Um, and like, but it's basically, if you ever made a cake without any sugar by accident or yep. salt, you can, you can see it because it won't rise the same yeah well it, it actually helps. that's that's the other thing it's a le- it's a leavening agent as right. well so um the reason why a lot of cakes start with your butter and sugar creaming you know mm-hmm. when, like when you were a kid creaming yeah, yeah. it with a wooden spoon getting airy and fluffy yeah, now yeah. like you you know beating it with it yeah turn it creaming it until it goes nice and airy and that actually gives you like the lift because it traps in the air pockets mm-hmm. and then it gives you the the lighter crumb as well yeah, so yeah. and then other things um we were just talking about because you used to be a baker um it actually 
impacts on the structure of the cake batter. It mm-hmm. tenderizes it yeah, and it yeah. stops the gluten forming. Yeah. That's the same in bread, right? Yeah, right. So um, it, it kind of makes gluten form in a different way. Yeah. It makes it a lot uh, more regimented. Yeah. So that's why, like, when you have a really nice sponge, it's, like, perfectly little bubbles, like, all the way through. Yeah, yeah, it's really regimented. Yeah. Um, Whereas bread, you kind of want a little bit more... Yeah, it's a bit um, wilder, isn't it? It's a bit wilder, but if in things like brioche, when you're adding sugar... um, Oh, yeah. So you're... It, one, it helps. It like makes the it, it prove faster because the yeast yeah. can feed on it because that's basically what this the yeast is feeding on from sugars in the flour. But if you just give it sugar, that's like you mm. know, crazy. It's like <laughs> hyperactive child sugar. Yeah. So it goes like absolutely mad. So it, it proves really fast um, and helps keep that really nice, rigid, mm. like uh, uniform structure for things and just make it really nice and light yeah. and airy. Mm. And I guess. You know, in in bread, it makes bread more cakey. Yes, you know, so like you get tenderer, like, like yeah, like dinner rolls and yes, stuff. You yeah, get that yeah. nice kind of puffy, cakey texture, which yeah. is lovely. I mean, obviously, like sourdough is the other extreme. It's stretchy. It's kind of bouncy yeah. when you chew Chewy, into it. It's got yeah, that yeah. chew that you really love, but like it makes it more cakey. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, sugar. It's again not just sweet. Caramelization. Yeah. Completely. So not just um, not just in something like making a syrup, but mm-hmm. actually that beautiful surface of your cake where the sugar's kind of evaporated cool. and car- yeah, yeah, yeah. caramelized mm-hmm. and gives you the color because yeah. you need the color. Again, if you've made a, a cake without sugar, it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's like, anemic and, it's yeah. really anemic and yeah, it yeah. doesn't look attractive. Yeah, yeah, so it helps that So think about, you know, you cut into your Victoria sponge inside, it's beautiful pale crumb. Outside, it's got that lovely burnished sort of deep brown color mm-hmm. and that's what makes it look really attractive. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so let's just go through some of the sugars that we, that we would normally use in the test kit. Um, castor it's not it's it's a refined sugar it's not evil it's no, no. brilliant for cake making oh, in fact in patisserie and fine cake making castor sugar is your friend only, yeah. it doesn't have any colour so when you use those whisked when you make like a whisk spun like a genoise mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. again when you make a meringues if you want to get that really kind of light yeah. palest colour yeah, yeah. then you would use castor yeah yeah um, unrefined golden castor sh- golden castor sugar um you can just do it like for like. It's just going just to give the, you a slight edge. It's for someone who doesn't want the total refined sugar. Yeah, it kind of it's just that some of those some of those slightly more toffee sort of caramelly yeah. notes, but yeah. like really, it's just. It's I think we use similar. it. We use it generally in in baking, don't we? But um, but if you want if you want those Snow White meringues, yeah, you're yeah. going to have to use the custard sugar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, granulated. It's you don't usually use it in baking. Um, I mean, you can at a pinch. You could probably biscuits. It probably wouldn't affect. You could mm. probably use it like for like for custard and, yeah. and biscuits, cakes. You it's, could use it, but it would it would be a little bit heavier. It wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to cream light, it no. as it's, much. It, I mean, it, the only when I'd use granulated is is for texture. So like on a yeah. you know like a le- like on a lemon drizzle cake or whatever, yeah, that's anything a good like one that. Actually, like, yeah, yeah. like partially dissolve the lemon yeah. juice in it and then spoon it over, and you'll get you get a little of, crunch. Get a little bit of crunch yeah. and a bit of texture. You can actually use it for caramel as well because mm. the crystals are slightly bigger. So it, it does actually behave quite nicely if you're oh, trying right. to if you're trying to make it easier. It should do. It should do. <laughs> <laughs> Some people just have problems with caramel. Uh, I just I just kind of tend to throw it in the pan and and treat it with contempt. And I've, then... <laughs> I've, I've made caramel a few times this week, and <laughs> once it did go wrong, but it wasn't my fault. Someone shook my pan for me, and uh, yeah, someone shook my pan. I love it. Um, Demerara. It's not just for coffee, yeah. though. I do love it in coffee. Mm. Um, 
was talking to Ed Kimber about this and, and it's it's really good again for when you want to add texture because when you bake demerara it doesn't melt no. so like a streusel top you know mm-hmm. when you mix it with like flour and butter yeah, to yeah, have yeah. a streusel top on your cake or, yeah, or in a crumble or a something crumble, like that would be really, really good, good. Yeah. Um, or if you've seen um a lot of those American cookie recipes where you make a log out of the cookie dough yeah. and then you roll the whole log in demerara. So when you slice oh, it, right. you've got demerara sugar around, around the outside side. and That's it gives cool. you that little bit of extra crunch. That's really cool. Yeah. And then we come to the kind of the um, dark and light muscovado and the dark and light soft brown. These will act the same in, in bacon. They're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. However, the way they're not interchangeable is in the flavour, as in... The light and dark soft brown, if it's not refined and it's just called soft brown sugar, will be refined sugar that's had molasses added, added back to, to it. it. Yeah. Now, that sounds mad, but the the basis of that is that you've got masses of the refined sugar, which is super cheap. You've got molasses, which is pretty cheap. Mm, it's, just, it's almost a byproduct. Yeah, it is a byproduct, yeah. yeah. Um, you add it back into the refined sugar and you've got something that's a lot cheaper than going through your long process of unrefined. Yeah. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't taste terrible, but if you take, for example, a dark soft brown sugar and taste it against a dark muscovado sugar, yeah. it, it's a world of difference. Yeah, yeah, the muscovado, the depth, you'll get depth, you'll get caramel, you'll get toffee, you'll get mm-hmm. kind of smoky flavours. Mm-hmm. The soft brown will, you know, of course you're going to get a little bit of molasses flavour. But remember, it's already been stripped out once. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be that lovely kind of raw, much more like organic flavour that yeah, you get from yeah, the muscovado. Yeah. Um, and I actually made a, um, a fudge from muscovado sugar, which, um, again, it's, it's amazing because fudge, I think you would normally just make it with normal caster sugar yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. but the muscovado sugar just adds that extra level of toffiness yeah, yeah, and yeah, caramelliness it's, a lot, so. it's definitely a lot more like that fudge anyway yeah. it's a lot more adult tasting not like massively it's no. not, but, it, but it, it still just has that little extra level of like complexity which yeah. is nice as opposed to just like sweet yeah but as I said this is all in the Easter issue or mm-hmm. soon to go online so hopefully that'll inspire people to go away and experiment a little bit more yeah, with definitely. their sugars yeah thank you very much Adam no worries so that was this week's Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode or you have any suggestions for us, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd really like to hear from you. For more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com, where you've also got lots of brilliant recipes with and without sugar. You can still pick up a copy of my Easter issue now from newsagents, or you can go and download the app version. Okay, so bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink charts.